0: Hey everyone, Matt Rexford here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin our content, I want to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode. A little side note, since this is the first time we meet Saul, our main character, what's our first impression? Like, what do we learn about Saul from this story? Well, the first statement about him, he's physically attractive. He knows it. Everybody knows it. Keep that in mind for later. When Saul gets the famous line spoken to him, hey, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. There might be deficiencies in Saul's character, maybe traced to relying on his extreme handsomeness throughout his life. What else? He is described as pretty helpful. He seems glad to uh, journey about. He's looking for some donkeys for three days, right? He seems very respectful of Samuel and others. So I hope right off the bat you're not getting villain vibe from from Saul. He's a pretty good young man. Perhaps we get a glimpse into one of his flaws that will keep showing up later, and that Saul usually thought he had a better plan than God. Why didn't Saul take the golden opportunity to tell his uncle about all that had happened? Samuel was famous. He he was well-known throughout the land. His uncle heard, "'You spent some time with Samuel?' Tell me, tell me about that. What happened? And Saul just keeps it about the donkeys for some reason. We'll see in the next story that he is reluctant. He's, he's a little bit afraid to accept this new calling. And he'll actually be found hiding in the suitcases when his name is called out as king. It definitely wasn't his plan for his life. And when he was clearly... Chosen, anointed, confirmed by these amazing outlandish signs. He still seems like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. I think my way for my life might be better. So just keep those few things in mind. We just get a little bit of background about Saul as we move forward. But more importantly this week, what does this story tell us about God? God is sovereign over all things. So praise him for his providence. God is sovereign over all things. So praise him for his providence. I think we know about sovereignty. Talk about that a lot here. God rules over all things. I love the phrase that Charlie uses a lot. From galaxies to governments. He's in control. His will can't be avoided or thwarted. We see in the story what feels like a bunch of people just making choices. And they're searching for donkeys. And they're... Uh, having feasts. But verse 15 is the intrusion to the story. It's the perspective. Now Yahweh uncovered Samuel's ear the day before, and he said, hey, I will send. And then when Samuel saw the young man, God said, hey, that's the man. Look, he will govern my people. I heard some great thoughts from Chris Dolson. He's a pastor at Black Hawk Church. In a message on this passage, he reminds us of these two things people are free, but God is sovereign. The donkeys are certainly free, right? They're, they're having a great day. They're out roaming around. Saul, he seems free. He's deciding, all right, let's go here. Let's check over here. Let's go there. He's about to give up. His friend freely says, Ah, let's try one more thing. Let's go see the prophet. I've heard about him. You really get no hint in the story that these are robots that is programmed to go here and there and Yet verse 15 clearly shows us in the middle of these choices, God is sovereign. The day before, God said, I'm going to send you that man. All these small human stories taking place in God's big story. So how freedom and sovereignty work together is always left in tension in the Bible. I know that drives some of us crazy, but it's never neatly resolved for us. We can't comprehend this mystery. It's beyond our understanding because we can't understand how God relates to time. If you've figured out how God has relating to time, then you please, please let us know so we can settle this. But until then, please accept both of those things. People are free, but God is sovereign. It reminds me of Proverbs 16.9 which we should all know, a great little proverb, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The NLT says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So if we have the word sovereign, then why do we need the nuance of God's providence? What does that mean, praise him for his providence? What is that? Well, it does carry the sense of God's providing, for our needs, but that's not all of it. Dale Ralph Davis says this about providence. Providence is the wonderful, strange, mysterious, unguessable way that Yahweh has of ruling his world and sustaining his people and his doing it frequently over, under, around, through, or in spite of the common stuff of our lives or even the bias of our wills. Another definition from the Heidelberg Catechism. What in the world is that? Well, that's a tool that you can use to teach young people. It's been in the church for hundreds of years. A tool for teaching young people. It was also a guide for preaching, maybe in the country churches where the the clergy wasn't as trained. And a form of, of confessional unity among the people. So question 27 of the Heidelberg Catechism teaches this. Question, what is the providence of God? Answer, the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which God upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. That can speak to us in whatever season of life we're journeying through. See, there's really no such thing as chance or luck or serendipity or or good fortune. There's only the providence of God in your life in all things. So my exhortation in responding to that truth is just to look back on his providence and praise him. Marvel at the stories that he has written that you couldn't have imagined or dreamed up. Recognize it when you see it. And honor the one who made it come to pass. Don't just think, man, that was a, that was a stroke of good luck. Those things came together. Oh, praise him for his providence. In my own life, I've taken some time this week to, uh, to look back. To see uh, a young boy who started piano lessons at age five because his mom forced him to thanks, mom. Uh, I look back and see a teenager who was in youth group right at a time in history when worship music was was changing and flourishing in the church and was in these worship bands, really enjoying it. I see a, a young man in college who got to travel on some music teams and be in four hundred different local churches over his college and just catch a a vision for how important the local church is and the worship of God in it. To starting at this church in my early 20s and being mentored and equipped and given experience and intersecting with so many wonderful musicians and teachers and leaders and people, all those threads of leadership and music through my life that God has woven together to provide me with a ministry of leading worship. It's God's providence. It's not dumb luck. And I praise him. And you have a story to rejoice in as well, if you take the time to look back, to acknowledge it. God doesn't just work on these things for the kings, for the leaders of the church. No, the the book of Acts is full of his sovereignty and his providence in the life of every believer And it's true of you as well. Praise Him for His providence. If you're married and you look at your spouse through the eyes of divine providence, I bet there's a thousand different stories of how God joined you together. That's a solid reminder of the truth of marriage, right? From Matthew 16 and Mark 10, we hear it in most wedding ceremonies. What God has joined together, let not man separate. God is the ultimate matchmaker in his providence. He has joined you together. So whatever your story and whatever your season of marriage, I hope you'll go back to that confidence that God was working to join you together and praise him for that providence. This isn't just true of us personally, but it extends to our organizations, our churches, our governments, our leaders, Daniel chapter 2, God raises up kings. He removes kings. God raises up presidents. He removes presidents. I was recalling the journey of Southside Baptist Fellowship Greenville this week and how God has led us through the years. And one particular story came to mind at a crucial time in our growth. Uh, I called Charlie this week to get the details right again and to ask him if I could share it. He said, no, but I'm going to anyway. He did. No, he said, yes. The year was approximately 2004. So almost 20 years ago. Pastor Charlie Boyd was pretty frustrated in ministry. Uh, having a large Christian school and a large church on the same property, it just seemed to kind of hamstring uh, both of them. And there was even talks of starting a new Christian high school in the area And Charlie just wasn't too sure about that direction. So he was driving along in his Jeep, of course, waving at all the other Jeep people, feeling better than us, you know. And as he got to the light at Highway 14 in Woodruff, so you can imagine up here by the McDonald's, he decided, I'm turning left. I don't want to go back to the office today. I'm frustrated. And he decided to turn left, and he drove this way. And he decided as he got closer to this building, which used to be Brookwood Church, I'm going into Brookwood Church. My friend, uh, Pastor Perry, is in there. And we see each other at coffee shops once in a while, and we encourage each other. And he just so happened to walk right into Brookwood's church office. And Perry just so happened to be free right at the moment. And he walked in there. And he laid out his frustrations. And Perry said, well, uh, why don't you just buy this building? And threw out a, a possible price even. And Charlie was like, that's a good one. And he left. He wasn't sure if Perry was like, serious or not? Or really? Could that happen? Perry called him the next week and said, hey, have you, uh, you talked to your elders about that yet? Let's get, this, let's get this deal going. Charlie was like, okay, this is a real thing. A few months later, Our church had a significant fire down at the Southside Christian School property. And we came down here to meet, and we saw this building and how it could work. Skipping a lot of steps. Eventually, we did buy this building. Obviously, we're sitting here today. And God has blessed us here to grow and to reach more people. And he has blessed Southside Christian School on Highway 14, and that one little conversation where Charlie frustratedly turned left opened huge doors for a lot of people. Did Charlie freely turn left? Yeah, I think he did. Was God obviously guiding Brookwood Church, Fellowship Greenville, and Southside Christian School in ways we could never imagine? Absolutely. And that's just one moment for one leader, one organization, one city and one country when you zoom out and just see the greatness and the wisdom of God and his providence to guide our lives as they intersect with each other. I've been overwhelmed at it often this week. Second point is this: God is always working. So be patient with his plan. God is always working, so be patient with his plan. I can hear many of you that you go, that that providence thing sounds great, but. I am in a difficult season of waiting, or suffering, or discouragement, and you feel like you've been looking for the donkeys, like not just for three days, but maybe three months, three years. You're not sure if there are even any donkeys. They went home and no one told you. I get that, I get that, not every day is illuminated with perspective, and seeing God's guiding hand, drawing pieces of your life together so that it makes some sense to us. Remember, what we see in this story, it was unknown to the people in this story. Saul was just out legitimately looking for donkeys. But God was working him towards kingship. Hope Blanton and Christine Gordon, in their study on 1 Samuel, say this, Isn't this the way that God still sometimes leads his people? We wander through our days simply doing what must be done, cooking, cleaning, shopping, driving children places, sleeping, teaching. And suddenly, we find ourselves in the middle of a situation clearly arranged by God. I just want to reassure you that he is still working. He is a compassionate God who hears Hannah Praying at the altar, desperate for a child. He hears you as you pour out your heart to him. He is full of mercy and compassion to forgive Israel's foolish sins. Generation after generation, he moves to renew them, to draw them back. He does that for you. He forgives your sin and foolishness and always pursues you. He was rejected as Israel's king but in chapter 9, it seems like he turns over a fresh new page in the journal and starts again for Israel in his compassion. I don't read any mention of a anger or a grudge against them, but he tells Samuel, I'm going to save my people because their cry has come to me. I'm going to give them the best possible chance moving forward with an earthly king. How many times has he done that? For us in our lives. So trust that God is working when you can't see it. His ways are not our ways. His timetable is usually not even close to the timetable we wish it was. And let that trust stir up patience and steadfastness in our lives. Back to the Heidelberg Catechism. Many of the statements of what a doctrine was, like the definition of it, would be followed by, uh, like, so what? What, Why should we study that? What good is that going to do in our lives? So here's question 28 that comes right after what we looked at earlier. Question 28 says, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? Answer, we can be patient when things go against us. Thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence In our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will they can neither move nor be moved. Soak that in when we deeply accept that God is sovereign over all things. That his providence extends to every corner of our days. Then the Holy Spirit can infuse us with patience. Can well up thankfulness and obedience and confidence in our lives. See, we now know that nothing can separate us from the love of God because of Christ Jesus, because of King Jesus. And in in this story, we see it's a God who's been rejected by his people. But as Davis says in his commentary, Israel's stupidity cannot wither Yahweh's compassion. Was God upset by Israel's idolatry and asking for a king? Yes. But was he still moved by their cries for help, for mercy, for deliverance. Yes, he was. Saul is given out of compassion for God's people. God has heard them and given someone to save. God hears and acts. And he has given someone to save us from more than just oppressive Philistines, but from the oppressors of sin and death and the grave. And this king would come to us humble and riding on a donkey on his way to a cross for us. I see the providence of God in this story in that it was through the earthly line of kings, through the line of David that the true king would arrive, the lion of the tribe of Judah. It would have been better for Israel to keep God as the ruler, yet God is wise and sovereign enough, and so beyond our ways that he can move through that in human history for the appearance of the Messiah. And this king is a giver, not a taker. He welcomes you into his throne room and seats you at the place of honor only because of his generosity. So I invite you to praise him when you see glimmers of his providence in your life. And when you're looking for those donkeys, be patient with his plan. He's still working. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week. We'll see you next time.